0: You're listening to Citizen Reporter, episode 445, for the 13th of March, 2013. yes hello everyone welcome to another edition of citizen reporter and uh this tony tony's on the line tony pierce ladies and gentlemen and uh, hello hello internet i'll do a proper introduction what who tony is to me so tony pierce is my friend uh tony is a long-time blogger i mean tony how far back do you go i'm gonna guess 2000 2001 maybe what do you got
1: very good guess. Yeah. It was about a month right before 9 nine eleven. Wow it just so happened. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I started reading you around two thousand three, I think. I was just I was already here in Amsterdam and I was I was getting into blogging and you were I gotta say, and this is not because we're recording, but you taught <laughs> me a lot and to this day, Tony, and this is normally stuff we leave till the end. But the things that you have talked about with not just when you tell people like how to write or suggest anyway but also the way you carry yourself in this world of writing online creating media on a daily basis or a regular basis like it it i like a lot of what you've said i use it i follow it um it it makes sense to me in a sort of life guidance kind of way uh so you know
1: that's what that's very nice to say on, a, on an early early on a Sunday, uh thank you very much mark that that's, that's very nice to hear fine
0: no, yeah, and I don't mean to put you on the spot right so um, oh. but that's just so that people understand you know why why is Tony on the podcast now let's talk about first of all your writing right um okay. it for me, it all begins with the blog, the bus blog yeah. and, and and then it goes from there, wherever it may go right it, it, you're someone, and this is not as new as it used to feel years ago but you've gotten jobs through your blog
1: which is which is the weirdest coolest part of it all yes to me that's like getting a job because you collect baseball cards <laughs> it's it's something it's something that you would have done anyhow it's it's it was a little bit nerdy at the beginning and to then somehow uh, that's your livelihood is is such a blessing and, and so weird so yeah that and and i guess my last, I mean, since um, 2006, I've had jobs because of blogs. I mean, real, real jobs, good jobs.
0: Let, let's so go over them. Let's go, let's go over them because I want to make sure I've got them right. It might be interesting for people. If you're, you can yeah. do this, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, since, well, okay, let's say 2005, I got a job at, at BuzzNet, which was one of the first photo sharing websites ever, even yeah. before Flickr. Yeah. Um, and they hired me to be a community manager in part because for the last uh 4 years I'd been running bus blog and our comments on bus blog were amazing it was like 30 40 comments for every single post uh for a long run there and um and so Buzznet, which was founded by a friend of mine from college um he was like hey if you can do that for your dumbass little personal thing imagine what you could do for this big thing and and like you said earlier it was more of like how do you how do you live your life, and how does that relate to your online presence? And so, Buzznet led into um, a website here called Laist, L A I S yeah. L A I I S T, and uh, which is uh, an offshoot of Gothamist. So it was a blog about a group blog about um, Los Angeles. Um, when I started, they had about a dozen people who were contributing for free, and an editor that they weren't really paying. With me, they decided to take a risk and pay me um, what I thought was a very reasonable salary um, to see if we can make this group blog into something big. It turned out that we could, and yeah. so L.A.ist uh, turned into the the you know Metro blog of of L.A., which was fantastic. Uh, the page views went through the roof. Um, um, I wrote a note to the L.A. Times to alert them that LAist was quadrupling the LA Times' number one blog, and either get ready for some more ass-whooping, or maybe they should hire me. <laughs> you wrote that. I didn't know you wrote that that way. Wow, wow. Yeah, I mean, my my, my the line, my favorite line of it, if uh, if I may, said, um, I don't know what the word is after quadruple, but I'm going to have to learn it unless you hire me. And. <laughs> Sorry. Six weeks later, I was hired at the LA Times to run all of their blogs, not just to run one blog. So that was also very, 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 very weird. Uh, I had an office. They gave me an assistant. It was, it was like out of a, a fiction book I mean, or a comic book even. It was just very odd and beautiful because uh, the traffic at, LA, at the LA Times while I was there skyrocketed from 3 million pages a month to 72 million pages a month in just three and a half years. It was very, very weird and great. Um, And some of the things that I always believed, um, I was able to practice, which was, if you have a newsroom full of kick-ass writers, and they're only writing twice a week, once a week, once a month, how about if if, if a whole bunch of them wrote, oh my god, every day, once a day. These are paid writers. Let them write once a day, together as a team and let's see what happens and the the, the result was good things happened
0: and the, so uh la yeah. times go ahead yes, sir. no no i was wondering about what exactly they're writing if they're not ready are they doing the sort of drawing board stuff like well here's what i got so far
1: you know they're they're researching i mean a lot of uh, a lot of uh traditional journalism is um making a lot of phone calls, researching, digging up files, trying to find the files. It's, it's a lot of grunt work. It's a lot of not very glamorous, uh, what they call gumshoe leather work. And I'm all in favor of that. God bless that. Without that, we don't have um, the things that make kick-ass journalism slash citizen journalism work. Uh, you just can't sit down to your computer and just write stories. Uh, you actually have to research stuff and, and and interview people and interview lots of people. Uh, that was never my argument. My argument was, okay, what's happening while you're waiting for that phone call? I bet you you found something else that maybe had nothing to do with the story that you're working on. Or maybe it did, but it was, it was an offshoot. It was a cul-de-sac, let's say, of that story. That's never going to make it into a 30-inch story. Um, how about write that right now? Or, yeah. you know, I bet you... The emails that these reporters have with each other, with their friends, and all that stuff, a little three-paragraph little snippet, I just happened to see so-and-so at City Hall, and I asked him this about the Dodgers. Like Mm. something totally having nothing to do with anything. Well, that's still, as you know, the Internet is such an insatiable beast. That's still something good to to throw at it and see where that goes. And even if it doesn't go anywhere, it's still a little slice of life, of our town, or your beat, or your state, and my my belief was that if you had thirty people doing that together every day, you might have a funky ass, weird, cool blog that gives you a better taste of of your town than you ever thought that it would, and and in a weird way, that turned into L.A. Now, which um, isn't as funky as I'd like it to be, but when you have a staff of about 80 people covering Los Angeles, if all of them wrote every day just three paragraphs at minimum about whatever's on their beat, you're going to have a cool city blog that's going to be able to beat places like where I just come from, LAist. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that, that was, was one of the, the, the best accomplishments when I look back at, at the LA Times years was being able to convince some of the staff that working as a group and doing small pieces as opposed to trying to do these big-ass, beautiful pieces will work on a blog. Which isn't to say you can't do the long pieces, but while you're doing the long pieces, do some smaller stuff.
0: It sounds like you were kind of a, a coach in that newsroom, kind of going like, you should do this. Or how about you know, kind of proposing stuff to
1: people? That's That's exactly what it was. Because the irony of it was nobody reported to me except for my one little assistant. (laughs) And so there was hundreds and hundreds of writers who would end up on blogs, but all of them at any point could say, no, thank you, Tony, I'm working on this. And so that was a great struggle, but every newspaper had that struggle. I I don't think that there was any uh, metropolitan blog editor who oversaw uh, 30 to 40 blogs who had the power to say, no, sir, you put down that (laughs) – that Pulitzer-worthy piece you're working on, and give me three paragraphs right now for the blog. Uh, So yes, it was all coaching. It was all whispering people's ears. It was all pointing at computer screens saying, look at what these guys are doing. Look at what we're not doing. You are the missing link in between these. And I believe that if you spend one hour right now, you can probably pull this off. So um, it was all coaching.
0: What what happened, Tony? After the L.A. Times job, uh, was there something? Because I remember something to do with public yes. radio or something.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, uh, as you know, the, the the Times has has been in bankruptcy for the last four or five years. In fact, the whole time that I was there, it was in bankruptcy. Um, and um, and so about a year and a half ago, they had their last round of layoffs, and sadly, I was caught up in that. And I wrote a note just. Which is customary at the times. Sadly, it's a, it's a, it's a dark tradition that when you get laid off or when you retire, um, <laughs> you uh, you send out a little email. And what I noticed, because I saw sadly dozens and dozens and dozens of these emails over the years, was the longer you were at the LA Times, the shorter your email was. <laughs> it I was odd, and yet the people who had worked there like maybe six months who were maybe 22, 23 years old, would write these, like, long, long, long streets. And here I was, uh, relatively a, a, a small term. I mean, three and a half years is pretty small for, for a place that had lots of actual veterans. Um, I wrote this long thing because I had to. I mean, I was so fortunate that I got to work with hundreds and hundreds of L.A. Times reporters. I was one of the few editors that actually got to work in or with every single department. And that includes marketing, that includes the people that make the commercials in in the barren parts of the building. I mean, I got to talk with everybody. And also, weirdly, almost all of those areas of the times improved a great deal uh, through the blogs. I mean, almost everything that we tried to pull off worked. And so um, I had a lot to say to these people. But mostly what I wanted to say to them was, Walking in here, I said, this is all about you, and you guys can pull this off. You don't need to hire any extra people. And here I am walking out saying the same thing. All the power of blogging and being successful online is within these, this building. Mm-hmm. You guys can do this. You, you, even though you feel like you only have half the staff that you did before, which is true, um, you still have people at, at every cool place in the planet right now. Uh we had people in Afghanistan, Iraq, China, Britain, everywhere. And um and, and and hundreds of people in California. You can you can do this yourself, you don't really need me. For some reason this email went viral. Um I was hmm. the prettiest girl at the prom for about three weeks and all these people came after me saying, hey, we want you to run our blogs. And um, the people that I expected the least was our public radio station here in L.A. We have uh, several very good public radio stations, but the most popular one is uh, based in Pasadena. They came after me, and they said, hey, we want to launch a whole bunch of blogs and do some cool things online, too. That was KPCC, and... uh, they won the pleasure of, of having me uh, be crazy in their building. And so um, uh, so that's where I had been working for the last year and a half, yeah. KPCs. And,
0: and they're in a weird situation, as a lot of people anywhere in the world at this point know, like public radio in the United States always has money troubles, uh, I, although I know that some areas of the country are more successful than others. So I've heard, even out here in Europe, I've heard about how, for example, I think they're not accepting any... Pieces made by external sort of freelancers in Europe or something, and I, I hear these little tidbits that tell me they're in hard times, uh, and so they're they're doing some cuts and they're doing some yeah bad things. Well,
1: <laughs> some of them are like that. KPCC was never like that. Oh, I think nice. what happened with, with this one, it, which which isn't to say that you're 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 not right. You and and because you're you have a heart of gold, you would know this better than me. My favorite radio station is on Sirius Satellite Radio because I listen to Howard Stern. Um, but so, so you would probably know a lot more about the public radio uh, world than I. But all the things that I had heard about KPCC before, during, and now after were that they were able to raise a lot of money whenever they wanted to. What happened in my case, though, was I, th- I feel like we expanded faster than they expected because they don't run uh, their operation when they are in the red. They will make cuts as soon as as soon as they have to, and so uh k p c c was always very good about um getting money. We were in a pretty new building uh we were expanding a great deal um but I guess what happened with me was they expanded a little too fast
0: mm. well they they're in a weird place uh, in general, radio is in a weird position, and here's something you don't know about me um i listen to satellite radio too i i listen (laughs) here's a confession i listen to opie and anthony uh Uh for for better or for worse uh Uh it it it, some of my favorite comedians go on there maybe some of the same reason you enjoy howard stern um it for me it's the comedians that make these shows and their sort of creativity and yeah hit or miss sometimes some sometimes not funny um and I listen to their I love the internal complaints. Cause here's this satellite radio, something that is at this point very American. This was really? an idea, what, in the late nineties, early two thousands that you could have it in your car, you could have it in your house, and the difference is gonna be complete freedom, uh I guess low low budget, not you don't need a lot of um hopefully not a lot of money to run these thing. Um but you would have a diversity of channels that we don't have on regular radio, right? Right. And so we had these two companies, and then they merged, and and like with mergers, some stuff got cut, some stuff got kept. Um, But what's funny is I listen to only, basically, this channel, and they talk about other channels on the satellite radio, and what I hear is a company that is full of bad ideas and (laughs) makes spends money in weird ways, you know, hires like Martha Stewart and Oprah, and Eminem has a channel, and he gets a big check, but he never actually has to come in, and it's so i'm going to say disappointing that satellite radio seems like it would have been okay you have to pay for a subscription as a listener but you're going to get a huge diversity and in the end i don't know that it was ever what it was supposed to be i don't know what you get from from as a satellite listener
1: no you know you I, you're right you're right yes they hired oprah and they had all these big names and and i think that's because when You have, uh, let's say you raise a bunch of money uh, through stocks or whatever, and you have like this big lump of money. I think it's a lot easier to sell whoever it was that gave you that money or whoever is in charge of the budgets. I think it's easier to say, Oprah should have a channel, Uh, Martha Stewart should have a channel. And then there's all these PowerPoint slides about how popular these people are, (laughs) but they're popular in their worlds. You know, they're not necessarily good on the radio. Uh, I think the problem with Oprah was she didn't give a crap. She was trying to run a TV network and a magazine and all this other stuff. And this was a place for her best friend Gail to hang out. And they promised that uh, that there would be things like uh, when Oprah and Gail go to bed, they call each other and they have like these hour-long gab fests. Well, yeah, that would be – friggin' kick ass on uh, satellite (laughs) radio. And I think the one reason that you like Opie and Anthony and I like Howard Stern is this is what you can't hear on regular radio. And even though Howard Stern, um, dominated American radio for 20 years on terrestrial radio, um, and maybe part of that success was his fighting with the FCC about what is the line and where is the line and Howard trying to get as close to that line as he could, um, when it came right down to it, though, um, I liked Howard Stern because the content was of an adult nature in that it wasn't trying to, like, dumb things down the way that Ryan Seacrest and all these other people are, these, like, traditional top 40 people are. Okay, here here's one thing that I really, really like about satellite radio. I, I was lucky enough while I was editor of L.A. to drive around the country. And, um, and I think I saw you in, on one
0: of those tours. Yeah, Were you
1: in New York? Did we see yeah. each other in New York? Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Anyway. And so what what I learned about satellite on that trip was something that maybe doesn't apply to most people, but how cool is it that you can listen to the same station no matter what state you're in? Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe that doesn't apply in Europe, maybe there's rules or regulations, but in the US and I imagine in Canada it's awesome to be able to listen to your favorite station as you drive through the night, and then the next morning you wake up. You just can't do that with traditional radio, you know. Um, plus, you got to listen to all these commercials. Yeah, but um, but it's really great for sports. It's really good for comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's commercial-free music. I don't listen to the music that much, but um, for the people who like my dentist, that's all he's got is satellite radio going, and mm-hmm. it never it never interrupts the day. And he doesn't have to worry about CDs or any of that kind of stuff. Right. So I, I have a feeling, I mean, it's still relatively new. I have a feeling that um, Satellite is, is really going to take over in a much bigger way in the next five years. I wanted to come back to uh,
0: blogging, of course.
1: Yes, um, yes.
0: I mean, a lot has, of course, changed. That's really easy to say. But let me get specific. I see, and I'm no genius for saying this, a death in comments or... A huge oh, yeah. downturn in comments, right? And you were just saying about how, you know, in the day, in its day, uh, not that its day is gone, but the bus blog was this this comment frenzy. I remember because I was in there um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm sure it was hard to spot because there were so many other comments and um, oh, no. all over the Internet. I think people comment less on blogs. I think it's a proven fact. Now yeah. they are commenting. I mean, on YouTube, there's plenty of uh, uh, talk, <laughs> and what well, Facebook has a lot of comments. Um, but you've seen it, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen it everywhere. I've seen it on uh, newspaper blogs and uh, very, very popular blogs. And in a weird way, it seems like the best comments are on Reddit, and it and it. it I think that's fine, though. Uh, um, you don't necessarily have to comment on the place where the source material is. Um, maybe your group of friends are going to have a more intelligent conversation about it on your Facebook wall than the the people who started the post off on Huffington Post or somewhere like that. Mm. Um, I think that's perfectly fine, and I hope that um, in the future we'll be able to somehow – bring those comments back to the original post. Maybe there's a, a side tab that, that shows you where everybody else is commenting on this stuff. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's disappointing for some people because some people got fuel off of those comments and they, they're yeah. inspired to write the next post because of that. Yeah. So so that's the only thing that, that bothers me is I'm always trying to figure out ways that will inspire people to write. And so if... if uh, if they see 10 comments on their blog post and that's going to make them write you know, way more that next month, then I want that. Unfortunately, if, if they can't see that people are commenting about their stuff on Facebook or these other places, then, then hopefully they'll find their inspiration somewhere else.
0: Yeah, I've been I mean, I've been watching these trends as you have and, you know, adjusting to them. Uh, Like you say, actually, there are some of these applications that I use on my own website that show me where people are sharing it or people are, you know, sort of commenting. So that's interesting. I I read a book and I still go back to it sometimes because I think like you, I have trouble finishing books. Do you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think we were. (laughs) Um, So I have a lot of unfinished books, half-read books, books I started, you know, one chapter in, and then someone else handed me something else. One of my favorites, although unfinished, is uh, You Are Not a Gadget, which is by Jared Lanier, who uh, is one of the, quote, architects of the Internet. And it's a book where, among other things, if I'm not completely misunderstanding him, he's disappointed at the... The shift or the move towards non-creativity, towards every all you know one size fits all. Facebook is good enough. This is my page. Your page looks the same. He's sort of in favor of people staying creative and saying you know a website doesn't have to have buttons on the left or buttons at the top. It doesn't even have to have buttons. You're free to do what you want. So experiment. Not every yes. look is defines you. Um, yes. But you know this kind of talk is kind of going counter to what's happening where everything, I mean, and this, even this is a little old because now people are getting a little tired of Facebook maybe, and we'll see what happens. But the move is everyone to one place, experience the internet from within this social media network, whichever one it is. um, And don't create a unique space. You don't even know how, you know, kind of, I always say like driving a car, but having no clue how a car works, which we've all done. Many of us have done. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm into, and, and if I had a car, I would get more into it, knowing how the car works. Um, you know, I, I have a boat, and I <laughs> I put my hands in the engine a lot. I still suck, but I'm taking it apart, and, and the more problems I have, the more I'm exploring pieces of the engine I never saw before. And I think this is great. I mean, it feels good to me. Like I feel like, never mind the engines for a second, but with websites and original websites and creating it your way, even if you're, of course, you're influenced by everything but mm-hmm. it's still an expression of who you are, and then you're putting that out there, and people are experiencing it. You know, um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. There was a time when um, you had to you had to know about HTML to have a, a, a halfway decent blog, and in some ways that cut down on the amount of bloggers that there could be out there. Um, and I, again, I'm always trying to figure out, or I'm I'm always trying to help people. You know, make that jump and start being creative through writing first. Um, The design can come later. Hmm. But I remember there was all these, like the original cam girls who ironically weren't really on cam, had the most beautiful blogs. And and they would hand code these things, Um, I'm thinking, maybe it was their boyfriends or or paramours, <laughs> whatever. But, but for the most part, I think it was the young ladies who were making and designing these beautiful, beautiful blogs. When Tumblr uh, started, it gave me hope that design would come back in a, in in a smaller way and maybe a more prepackaged way. Um, I, I'm I'm a little bit sad that it seems like um, Pinterest is taking over where Tumblr was, um, but who knows? Maybe maybe there's some maybe there's some new blog coming down the road where. You can design on the fly a lot easier, but I, I really don't want to go back to the MySpace days where there was everything was jumping around and it was so bad. And, and, and not because I have any problems with with that style, um, but I never saw any like kick-ass MySpace blogs. Right, kick-ass. You know, it's like so. I don't mind the shit as long as there's like <laughs> some kick-ass stuff going on too. Um, and so Facebook made it all about the content and nothing about the design. Um, We still have a little bit of creativity with our timeline header on Facebook, um, and I like to play around with that as much as possible and with my profile picture. But I agree with the dude. Um, (laughs) uh, You do lack a little bit of design. On the other hand, I really hope that Blogspot makes somewhat of a comeback. It seems very weird to me that Google... With all their money and power and now all these tablets and hmm. computers is not seeing a connection between their, their redheaded stepchild of blogger slash blogspot and see that there's an opportunity there to in, implement Google Plus with a real blogging system that already exists. And it, through blogspot, you could be very creative if, if Google decided that, that was important to them. You and I have
0: never really sat in the last few years and talked about twitter uh, we're both on it um, yeah. i I go back quite a few years. I think you do too. I mean early on, I confess right now that I was skeptical me too and then and then I found, for example, some of my favorite video bloggers, and I loved hearing the process right um, mm-hmm. and they would tell me you know what cameras they were or they were not me, but they were just telling whoever wanted to listen and then I could also ask questions about. You know, the process, whatever they're making, and and also hear the simple things. Whatever they do in their spare time was kind of interesting. Right. So it won me over Mm -hmm. with time, but I'm reaching another point, and I and I think a lot of people are reaching this point where I I see its limitations and um I'm disappointed a bit. I mean not that I have to be disappointed with everything, but you know, (laughs) I'll give you a simple example. Uh Uh let's say I have a little under I don't know, whatever, X thousand followers, right? Right. And I probably have, for this podcast that we're going to put out, mm-hmm. I have probably only half as many listeners this week or next week, between the next month even, than I do followers. In other words, people follow, but they don't necessarily read or download. I mean, again, it's a different kind of audience. They may be following, they may not. But this right. whole thing, like, there's so much going on, and yet there's not much going on. In
1: Twitter. In Twitter yeah Well, for the individual, yeah, but when you put a a, a really good search engine in there um, and you are looking at the whole Twitter sphere as a whole, um, yeah, the individual Twitter uh, user um, probably doesn 't have an awful lot going on, but when you stitch together everybody, I think I think you can find something awesome, and that was kind of True. my ihop moment. Because I was at South by Southwest when hmm. um, Ev and, um, and Jack and those guys uh, launched Twitter, or at least introduced it to the, to the world. And, um, uh, and I was like, I don't understand what's going on here. This doesn't make any sense to me. And I actually was lucky enough to be walking down the street with all those guys um, yeah. the night after they announced it. And, uh, I was drunk. I think a couple of them were drunk too. <laughs> um, Ev isn't much of a, of a drinker, but, um, but even then I got to ask them on my little camera, um, Hey, what's, what's this Twitter thing? I, I, I still don't get it. And they're yeah. like, well, let's say you want to have a party and you want to tell all your friends, but you don't want to call them all. And I was like, okay, well, that application seems fine here in the South by Southwest or maybe on a college dorm. But I, I, again, I don't really get it. And so even though I signed up um, right then, I didn't really use it to its full capacity or really understand it until TweetDeck came out. And, and so in TweetDeck, you could make all these categories um, or these channels on your screen, and you can organize people by either their region or the topics that they normally tweet about, um, or you could just do search um, uh, columns and i was like oh okay so i mean i don't have to follow every person who's a cubs fan i can just put up <laughs> a a thing that says cubs and right. anything that that's tweeted that all right now i'm starting to get this and yeah. so I, you know twitter to me is is still um, is still relatively untapped i think that there are still some very cool things that you can do with twitter and um even though I'm looking for a traditional job right now that I've been let go by KPCC, um, the side projects that I'm I'm trying to work on, uh, be them apps or websites, ironically are all based around um, Twitter. Wow, yeah, because Twitter has a couple things going on for it that nobody else really has, which is it has a timestamp that everybody can agree on. So, um, you know, if, if one news source says, oh, we got the scoop on this story, and another news source says, Oh, we've got it. Well, if they both had a tweet that automatically was fired when they published a story, which most of them have, um well, who better of a referee than that Twitter timestamp? Mm. And so um so there's that going on and and the fact that um uh you can follow all these people. Um uh it's so much easier to, to follow those people on Twitter than through an RSS reader. True and, true. and it's all just right there. Plus, as you know, you can screw with your RSS. You can go backwards <laughs> and edit stuff yeah. and change yeah. stuff. And so it's it's not as accurate as Twitter is, strangely. So um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the future of Twitter as well as the present.
0: Yeah. I think the most useful times for me or the, the times where Twitter was the most useful and uh helped me was when like election day or any day in afghanistan in kabul and you could just either have the people who you've either met or heard about and you know they're in town and they're usually updating what's going on where or you just do the old hashtag search uh, which is a little harder because some people aren't there, but they're using the hashtag, all right. And I could always know what was going on in town, whether I was worried about safety, whether I wanted to know, you know where people were hanging out, what was interesting, good or bad, I could find it thanks to Twitter. I could have this little crew of people that would be like my eyes and ears. And I yeah. could add to that too, because I would go places. Same thing, Tahrir Square in Egypt, Twitter is really great to use um, and I felt it when I, you know, was able to tweet a photo or a quick update from Tahrir Square and that, you know, people enjoyed seeing that in the moment from the place. Mm-hmm. That's when I loved it most, for sure. I mean, that's mm-hmm. and I think that's not going to go away. But, um, you know, for me, the downside is that things and this is true for all of the Internet, things pass so quickly, you know, a meaningful tweet or an important even tweet that involves people's lives or or something essential just write down the list you know along with my joke about the pope (laughs) or whatever gone um
1: it's true it's true but and, and and you know what's so funny about about all of this is that uh and and again i i thank ev williams for just so much in my life it's it's so weird like uh, that it's, this random dude from Nebraska has been able to invent like two of the most yeah. game-changing applications, computers or even communication has ever seen, and uh, like back to back almost. You know, I mean, yeah. he 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 tried the odd blog in between. Did you ever try odd blog? Wait, I wasn't there. audio <laughs> there's Odeo. How do you like this after? I don't know. It's something like, yeah. So yeah, he had some clinkers in between, but he, <laughs> he was a mad scientist like working on it. Like he yeah. was like, okay, okay, that didn't work, but we got this now. Yeah. And strangely, um, I think Noah uh, was the guy who's behind all the audio stuff, who's, who's also a Twitter dude. Um, in fact, his Twitter bio says, I started this thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And I um, learned about all, all this through your blog, by the way. I didn't have to I, read tech I, blogs because you would, you would you know, catch up with them every now and then and keep an eye on them.
1: I was one of the few people who, who didn't jump to WordPress or to TypePad after, um, after they learned the, <laughs> what blogging was through Blogger. Everybody wanted to have a fancier design and all this thing. And, and I was like, well, I could have that, <laughs> but I want to beat your ass at even a rinky-dink uh, <laughs> yes. you know, blog because yeah. uh, i really think that it is about content and even yeah. though i did get a, a fancy redesign a couple of years ago um uh that's beautiful um i i still kind of miss the days where i i knew enough to be able to change the sidebars and the header and all that kind of stuff and and make the design mine um but uh but going back to ev though um The the irony about all of this is that it seems like Twitter really doesn't like third parties and third party applications. They seem to always put the kibosh on people who are trying to um, make little apps for them. So you have TweetDeck, which they seem to have blessed, um, but very little else. And I bet you if they were more open to third parties, we would have these applications that would say, aha, that tweet that happened an hour ago was actually fucking good and this dude based on his usage based on what he tweets and his friends, i mean these computers they know they fucking know and if they don't know they should know soon uh what we like and so there should be a way that it captures that good tweet so that you don't have to um um somehow try to get lucky when somebody retweets it Hmm. you know um, and find it that way, but mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. It 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 disappears just as fast as the radio wave disappears into the air. You know, yeah. if if you miss that show at eight o'clock in the morning because you were sleeping, it's gone on radio. And on Twitter, it's a little easier to find. You can you can do a search if somebody talks about it.
0: Yeah. Um, but um, the further away it is, the less likely it's going to be retweeted. You know, which uh...
1: <laughs> breaks my heart too, man. Totally yeah. breaks my heart.
0: But actually, you always did a great thing on on the blog which was the one year ago, five years ago, today. <laughs> we, we used to have these meetings, the European video bloggers, and it was just people who did video blogs. And it was probably 12 of us, and we'd gather once a year. And one of the most common topics that we never really figured out was, I did a cool video one year ago, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Nobody sees it anymore. It's still cool. So we would right. try and come up with you know, ways to, of course, you repost it, but... It, you know, could there be a sidebar app that goes, this was a year ago. You know, this was mm-hmm. – I still like – I don't know if you know uh, Photo Jojo. Um, I get it in my email. It's it's an offshoot of Flickr, you know, just a third party. And they uh-huh. just send you an email with, one year ago today, you took these photos. Two oh. years ago today, you took – and they give you like three photos that you took more or less on the date. And I look at that, and I, I hate newsletters and, and auto emails. Right. But I look at that and I, I kind of pause and I go, oh, yeah, last year. Like, oh, you know, that place,
1: that person. Uh. Mm-hmm. So, and Twitter oh, yeah. could do the same thing, no problem. I mean, they have all this information. It's so great that they've, they're they now letting you download your entire archive. Oh, yeah, I got to do that. Um, but, but that tells me that they have the technology. They just, I mean, they're growing like crazy too. I mean, yeah. you know we all have our problems and sometimes part of your problem is that you're growing so fast. You don't know what to do, you know? And so, um, there's going to be a day where, where they're going to be able to say, not only did you do this a year ago, but that tweet you just thought was so genius, you actually wrote something just like that X amount of years ago, you know? And are you sure you want to say that again? Um, but but yeah, there's there's ways that they could do that, and it's it's interesting to see that WordPress has some plugins that sometimes give you related stuff. But I hardly ever click that stuff. You know what I click a lot is on BuzzFeed. In fact, a lot of BuzzFeed um, are the things that I that I think um, the internet. Is going to start steering toward what what they've got going for them is they don't even say okay a lot of a lot of websites say in case you missed it in fact if you scroll down to the very very bottom of the LA Times there's going to be um, five little boxes that says in case you missed it and um, it, because of the same thing when you have hundreds and hundreds of news stories coming in every day. Um, There might be a great story that isn't sexy enough in SEO to drive a lot of traffic or not controversial enough to get a lot of comments, but it's just a good story. And so at The Times, we try to figure out how can we keep that in front of people's eyeballs so that they can see um, not just the the screaming breaking news, but also the, the cool features that maybe took a week, like we said before, to make and yet it wasn't getting a lot of love um, through traffic. And so, um, so one thing that I like about BuzzFeed is they seem to have lots of those buttons all over the place. I want to talk about
0: the reality of like our lives because I, f- I feel like we, we may share something in common here. Um, when it comes to like affording to live and, uh, and, and to continue to do what we love to do, um, You know, I find, and I want to hear what you say about what's going on with you, I, did, I just did this big trip to Egypt and Tunisia and Lebanon. It was crowd funded uh, in collaboration with a public radio a journalist and a dear friend. Um, it was great. When I was there, as with every trip I've ever taken, pretty much where I'm doing podcasts, I felt like this is what I was born to do. You know, mm-hmm. this was my calling. This I'm in the right place, right time, right person. But then I come home, right, and and I always have after I sort through the material and put it out, which is fun. But I always have a sort of, oh, it's over, you know, <laughs> oh, what am I gonna do now, or how am I gonna top that, or or how am I gonna make something out of that, or oh no, how come I can't afford the rent? Well, okay, I can afford the rent, but how am I gonna afford the rent in a year? And like sure. you know, you and I haven't talked. I keep saying that, but now I know that you you're you're fun employed, <laughs> and right? um and. I'm picturing you've got to have similar concerns. It's like, it's a weird world. Like people can look at what we've done, I'm putting our, us in the same category, and say you guys have done great. You know, you're an inspiration. And and, and but we as inspirations, we got big problems,
1: don't we? <laughs> like, like. <laughs> uh, no, we don't have big problems. Bicycle market. Uh, when when you compare it to like people uh, who actually have real problems. Understand. Okay? Understood. So yes, we don't get to be these cavalier bachelors roaming the planet and being able to report on what we see uh, as easily as we would like it to be. It, we are definitely having experiencing first world problems when that happens. Uh, our lives are, are pretty frigging awesome, you know. In, True. In, in, All right. <laughs> uh, you and I will, will probably never have a, a problem finding a job um, so that we could pay the rent sadly for us though we have higher 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 expectations to that out of our lives we want to kick ass in a certain way without being x y and z while being a b and c right so so it's it's tougher for us because we are still idealistic and we want to see the world and we want to report on it the way that we don't feel like the world is already reporting on it mm-hmm. we want to keep it real you know, at mm-hmm. least I want. I want to probably keep it, a, maybe even a little realer than you do. Fair because enough. Because I also I also want to talk about the after party after we go to the regular party, which is even tougher because I enjoy working for big ass companies, and unfortunately, big ass companies do not want to to have their editor or even writer write about some of the more interesting parts of the life. truth. Yeah. So mm. like, here I live in the middle of Hollywood where. There are probably 50 legal places to buy marijuana in one square mile of where I live right now. I think that's fascinating, especially because it's against the law in the USA. Somehow it's legal in California, but it's against the law in the USA. And at any moment, Obama could make a phone call and bust this place a block away from me. And he has. He has bust. He has— through the DEA, um, shut down places all through LA um, who are giving um, what they call medicine to actual sick people. Now some of the people that they're giving this marijuana to are not sick. Um, Some are very, very sick. And so I just think that that is a really, really fascinating thing going on. Now the way that the LA Times beat reporter covers it is very, very different than how how their columnists. Cover it, which would again be even more different than how I would cover it um, if I had the courage to cover it. But I, I am in a in a tough spot. I actually did pretty good at some of these places, and I would like to get that kind of money again. I was foolish enough to buy a 2011 Chevy Camaro. You know, I mean, (laughs) you you knew me through the bus blog, and the bus blog was named that because I didn't have a car, and. Through the original way of crowdsourcing, well before um, Kickstarter, I just put a PayPal button up there and I would ask people for money. Mm -hmm. And I ended up in Aruba. I ended up in Cancun. uh, um, Strangely, I ended up in Amsterdam through the Dutch government. um, (laughs) and, And so that was one way for us to fulfill our dreams. The other way for us to fulfill our dreams is to be blog editors at big-ass, fancy places. Unfortunately, when you do that, you can't talk about the 19-year-old girl you just made out with often or in the way that is going to get you the readers that you were used to back in 2002. And so that's the struggle that I am in right now is I want to tell the stories about L.A. the way that I actually see it, which is this very interesting, diverse crazy place at, during a crazy time unfortunately um the prospective employers that i would like to work for probably don't want to hear about that stuff and mm-hmm. and and it might be detrimental to my career to write about the things that i've that i see i don't yeah. even do these things most of the time um, <laughs> but but um, you like to write but about I see um that's the fear that i have Going into unemployment right now is not how I'm to pay the rent. Cause, like you, I think we're both lucky that we have relatively inexpensive rent. Mm-hmm. But that friggin' car man, costs <laughs> I don't and, that. and on top of the insurance is even worse.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I so, guess the
0: equivalent is my trips to see my family, you know, in the US or in Portugal. Um, but, you know, what it, what it makes me think of in a good way is I feel like over the last almost 10 years, uh, the way things are going. We've gone from having to explain what it is that we love to do, you know, blogging, podcasting. Always had to have a long explanation and deal with weird looks. Nowadays, we, we, can, we almost don't even have to explain. That's right. Which is great. Yes. Yes. On the other hand, not everybody sees the value in, in, in job terms and work terms. So they see that there's something to it, that it's real, that it's here to stay, that there is uh, something of worth that an audience enjoys, but it doesn't always translate to funding a life to, to being a paid job or a paid, uh, uh, yeah, a paid art even. Cause I feel like this is a sort of your, especially the merging of art and journalism. Mm-hmm. I mean, blogging in many ways, there's an art to it. Right. That
1: you make up. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but I guess maybe part of that is, the art on getting somebody to pay for you to do it. Because, you know, I think about movie directors and they're trying to do that same thing. They're trying to make art, they're trying to tell a story, um, but it's not like people are knocking on their door saying, hey Spike Lee, make a movie that's so arty that it's only gonna make 20 million bucks. That's the story that Spike Lee really does wanna make, but part of that art is fundraising. Mm-hmm. And so I think for, per, uh, for so-called professional um, digital journalists, we have to realize that part of um, the game is how do you make money on, on it to support yourself. What, what I've noticed, and maybe I'm just being really idealistic, is it seems to me that there's a shitload of money out there in the world. <laughs> and it's mostly in the hands of the minority, and the minority wants to get it out there because really all it is is moving it from one bank to the next bank i mean it's all bs anyways right it's all a weird game that somehow earthlings have bought into um which is why i love the bible because when jesus uh was presented with a coin he was like uh what's what the hell's this and they're like uh well it's a coin well who's this guy oh that's caesar and he's like Render unto Caesar what Caesar's. There you go. <laughs> there you go with your fun little money game. Whatever that, whatever the fuck that is. You know? <laughs> and so, um, um, so we've bought into this money game. Right. We've also bought into this art. Therefore, we have centuries of other artists that have figured out how do I make this art and put bread on my table. Right. And so it's no different than Vincent van Gogh and his brother trying to trying to fund um, Vincent's little. Little joy. And Mm -hmm. so I think we can pull it off. In fact, I think that things are better than they are in the 18th century.
0: True enough. I mean, I'm somewhere else altogether. I want to figure out a way to keep the ads away, but be able to be supported. Like, here's what I like there's a network over here. I don't even think it counts as a network. It's a crowdfunding system or a payment system called Flatter, right? Made by the guys who brought us the wonderful Pirate Bay. Um, Mm. Yes, yes, my friend Peter um flatter is a system the idea is instead of paypal where you have to write in the amount of money right and maybe that's easy for people to do oh i only have five i'm giving you five dollars there you go they decided let's not make it about the money let's make it on average when you're surfing the web and you're on a site that you like as long as there's that button you can hit flatter this because i want it to keep going because i liked it um and then Whatever your media budget is, and that's what you have to decide before you begin all this, for that month, you've clicked once. So if you put $5 in your account, all five of your dollars are going to this website. If during the course of the month you click again somewhere, that's now dividing it in half. The idea, Part of the idea, I think, was that people aren't, don't have to be so or embarrassed or conscious of exactly who's getting what money. Let's make it more about what do you want to keep hey. going. Yes, um, I love this. This and is they're, great. they're expanding it now. When you click, you can actually choose to subscribe. In other words, every month, give it a click. But now you don't have to do it manually. You can say for the next six months, one of my clicks per month goes to Tony. Um, mm-hmm. And I like this logic, but he, he, and I see the limitation too. So this was born in Sweden. It's heavily used in Germany many people listening right now are going i know they're in germany they're the people who most flatter me <laughs> and and for some reason and an anthropologist can break it down it makes sense to germans so they're clicking they're supporting by a flatter but we've got the rest of the world to deal with americans i don't know maybe it doesn't make sense to them you know maybe canadians aren't so much into spending money on stuff they like on the web maybe new zealanders Uh, don't like the name Flatter. Um, (laughs) There's no cultural cohesion on the rest of the web at this point. And I wonder if in the future we can get some. Because there are a few things that become kind of code on the internet. Not 100%, but some things become traditions. And I I want systems like that, whether it's called Flatter or whatever it's called, where, Mm -hmm. you know, I've got a little money set aside. I'll tell you right now, I... (laughs) I don't know if I should be proud of this, but I set 10 euros aside every month to web stuff that I like. It, it should probably mean more because I spend so much time on the web. But all right. right, there is a total of 10 euros in my media budget, and I hope to expand it as soon as possible. You know, right. But, but right now, that's where I'm at. So whatever I click on during the month, my 10 gets distributed, and I try not to overclick. You know, I stick with a few acts that I want to keep going and I know that need my support and so on. So, mm-hmm. it's this kind of stuff that I'm hoping has a future, but I have no idea. I there's no guarantee, right? It's it's the internet.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, one of, one of the uh, one of the uh defenses for Spotify was that they said the average American was spending like uh like $2 a month on music. And if Spotify cost $10 for the deluxe version where you could get it on your phone and your computer and if the music industry, let's say, was getting half of that, so five bucks, the music industry should be thrilled because you've moved the needle from the American giving you $2 a month now to $5 a month, um, almost overnight. And the, the the user has this entire library of music that they would never have had before, um, and so I think that when you do think out of, outside of the box, like Flatter and Spotify, and instead of like trying to say, you must buy this new Billy Joel record, um, and that's how we're going to make all of our money, is people buying um, all these major stars, and that's what's going to help support these smaller stars and all that weird uh, old-school thinking. When you change that and say, hey, how about just give us five bucks every month? <laughs> and we'll figure out how we're going to split it up you know um, that may make more sense for that industry in 2013 mm. than in 1955 you know <laughs> and so i think this flatter thing is a really really great idea because when you then start putting your your media budget in, and god bless you for having one but when you put it into things like mint.com where which is what I use to For budget banking, all yeah, of my yeah. stuff. Right. Yeah. And I say, wow, I'm spending nine hundred dollars a month on food. But I'm only spending <laughs> you know, let's let's say that that's okay. what's going on. Because yeah. I eat out a lot and, <laughs> and you know, and I drink. And so cook. I just call that I just call that food, right? So But I'm only spending ten dollars on music? Yeah. Well that's weird. Maybe I should spend twenty dollars on music and I should cook at home a little bit more. And and maybe that will give me more uh, in my budget for for good good things that I should have. Maybe I should have a column just good things that, that I'm doing. And flatter would be part of good things. And I think that when people can kind of see it like that, they'll be like, oh, I probably shouldn't be spending so much money on this. Instead, I should be spending a little bit more on this because these are the things that I really, really like yeah. in life. Yeah. You know? Um, and so um, – yeah, I, I have nothing but high hopes for all these things. I think that, that people at our core are good. I think that people at their core want creative things. They don't want the same old BS. Um, but unfortunately, capitalism often lends itself to lowest common denominator. And so that's why we end up with crappy crap crap <laughs> and and why there's no lead guitar players anymore in rock and roll. Mm. Uh, instead, there's DJs. It's just It's, it's just – how it is right now but but soon i think we'll get back to far more creative stuff
0: we're gonna be making our own websites again and you know well hopefully not that because that
1: was a (laughs) royal pain in the ass did you enjoy making websites (laughs) uh,
0: when it worked out
1: yeah (laughs) but here but how about this how about we can figure out a way that we can um... give money to people who are actually good at making good websites fair enough So, so, So they have good healthy careers that they yeah. can provide their services cheaper or, or at least more affordably to bigger amounts of people so that there could be better websites out there. Oh, yeah. I, I think oh, I'd rather have that.
0: Oh, yeah. And, and to be able to support all the people that taught me and continue to teach me on how to do these things because there are so many people who help me just out of kindness, and it's like I would love to be able to support them too. Yeah, and That's right. Tone, I'm going right. to end here because I figure we've gone about an hour and people are, you know the hour theory <laughs> sometimes i do half an hour programs but it's been so long i, I want to make this an hour because I, I like having these discussions with you it's like it's kind of like something between a class a conversation and a conference like i'm, I'm sitting in the <laughs> audience just shouting questions um so everybody well, should
1: go ahead go ahead <laughs> i'm flattered that you would give me uh the double dose of the bicycle mark podcast i appreciate that
0: it's my pleasure man it's uh the bus blog, I'll put a link to it so everybody can read along and uh, some links to the social media as well to find Tony Pierce. Um, it's a, he's a man to follow. Uh, I've learned that over the years and uh, hopefully we'll find some way to meet in person. But first, we got to work out our uh, <laughs> our funding concerns. Uh, right. But you're right. You're right, man. We, you know, first world problems and, and I am proud, uh, as your friend, I'm proud of what you've done. And, and, yeah, I'm proud of what I've done, too. <laughs> well,
1: you should be so, proud. So I... You should be proud. But... You're a man with a boat. You can check in on Foursquare and say, I'm on a boat all the time. <laughs> I have yet to be able to check in on Foursquare with that. I'll keep that in
0: mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tony, thanks for taking the time, man. And, uh, all right, Mark. Let's Pleasure. do this more often. <laughs> Anytime. A
1: smoking gun in my hand.
2: The free sing with me, the American scream. And they tied that faded ribbon round that old tree, and they've worn out all the hope in their hearts. All along, thought I was doing the right thing. And that's where she found me In the cemetery A smoking gun in my hand Now I'm damned for the land of the free Sing with me And that's where she found me